you'll find in your church bulletins the readings of the day. The first one being in Genesis chapter 2, verses 5 through 19. Genesis chapter 2, verses 5 through 19. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and for good food. And the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of, the, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of the land is good. Delium and onyx stone are there. And the name of the second river is Agion. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. And the Lord God put the, and took the man and put him in the garden, in the garden of Eden, to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat all the days of your life. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 28. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to live to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery 
to fall back into fear. For you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the, for, for the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be, would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves. We have the first fruits of the Spirit and groan inwardly as we eagerly await as adopt- for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope is not seen. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what's in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know for those who love God, who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The word of the Lord. Good morning once again. Um, I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. Welcome. Um, That was a long scripture reading, but y'all are getting used to it now. Sorry if you're visiting, you're not used to it. Um, You know, preaching is is a holy affair. So before I get into the preach word, I just want to say, I had a great night because Clemson's 5-0. and oh. <laughs> I didn't have anybody to celebrate with last night. I'm sorry, y'all. I, I called Lee so many times and finally got in touch with him, and he had to put the kids to bed, so I didn't get to do it. I almost went to these neighbors of mine that I know are Clemson fans. I almost just knocked on the door and were like, hey, can I come in and celebrate with y'all? Uh, I was wearing my orange pants, orange jersey, and orange shoes by myself. <laughs> And I was like, Kelly, I need to go to the grocery store just so somebody could see me. Maybe I'll run into another fan in there or something. But um, doing the impossible, winning in Blacksburg at night. Um, It it was good. Okay, let's get to the holy word of God. I just needed needed my family to hear me. So I took advantage of you. Um, You might have to report me to the presbytery for that. How dare he use the pulpit to talk about sports events? I did. I did. 
I think the confession says something about recreation on Sundays. Okay. Let's get serious. As we continue in our sermon series on being human, I want us to look at our relationship with the earth, with nature, and what that has to do with our being human. I mean, just think about what it means to and what it has meant that God has called humans to be in charge of and have access to the earth and all the living and non-living he has made. Think about it. Everything. I mean, everything that is anything outside of ourselves came from the earth and from the natural world in some way. Everything that we have today came from or originated from something that God made. I don't care how much it has been melted down, genetically engineered, mixed and matched, mashed and manipulated. It has been taken from the earth that God made and taken from the earth to be used by you and me to sit in and sleep on and drive in and eat because that is what God intended for us to do, to use the earth for its good and our good, that we were created as human beings to take good care of the natural world. And as true as that is, something else is very obvious. Because of sin, we have not handled that call to the wild too well. We now struggle And fail to take good care of the natural world. But the call remains the same. And so by his power, the Lord now calls his people and those who would be his people to become redeeming caregivers of the natural world. Now, I want to level with you about this discussion because I was working on it. We could do about five sermons on resource and natural resource management and economic, political, and social ramifications, but I just don't have the time, and neither do you, to discuss it exhaustively. And I hope it does spark and get the conversations going among you based on on where you are and what you're dealing with with this stuff. But to let you know, I've been real consumed with this whole food thing and food processing uh, stuff. A discussion stuff lately, I've been enamored by documentaries like Food, Inc. and Supersize Me. Didn't bother me last night. I sure went and got a burger and fries. And I'm currently <laughs> reading through Omnivore's Dilemma, great book. And so this sermon may lean into discussion on that way. So I just want to show you my homiletical cards before we get started. Because uh, we all got an angle somewhere, right? And that's mine. With that said, the first thing I want you to see is that we were created to take good care of the natural world. In the reading from Genesis chapter 2, we can see that nature needed Adam and then Eve, the first humans to be there for them. Verse 5 tells us that there were no bushes or or plants of the field, meaning crops that that they just had not sprouted, not just because they hadn't been watered by God, the scripture says, but also because there was no man or human being or, or woman to take care of it. And then the geological elements mentioned here in verses 10 through 15 with the rivers had yet to be fished and mined. The the elements were just waiting and sitting there to be put on something like a ring or or the side of a house or, or possibly used for tools or to make buildings or just to be used for paint and art sculpting or, or anything beautiful. But the elements of the earth sat there waiting for Adam to make them more beautiful and exposed and useful. 
And then in verses 19 and 20, we see that God had Adam name the animals because they had no names, which meant they didn't know what they were. Adam did the primitive version of what our own biologists and uh, biologists do today, tagging and giving genus names to the animals. He, he knew them and, and knew about them is the point here. And the animals needed him to know them and know about them as the one called to manage them. One of the scriptures of the animals is livestock, cattle, and milk cows, and, and pigs and stuff. They needed to know how they would or wouldn't be used in the man's economy of things. And that was at this point for their good care and use. Men and women were created to be agronomists and shepherds and biologists and geologists and chemists and economists and raw and fine materials, manufacturers and builders, all in one for the good of creation. And as humans were good to nature, nature in turn was created by God to be good for and to us. Verses 8 and 9 and then once again verses 15 through 17 of Genesis chapter 2 use the word put. Or in other translations, placed to describe what God did with the human being in nature. Human's place was working on and in creation. Nature was like the workshop and the classroom and and humane lab for the growth of the mind and ability of human beings. Giving and offering us what we needed to, to good to continue to develop technologically and, and become more advanced as we were good and right to it and it to us as God designed. With, but with that, of course, it would provide housing if needed and tools if needed and fertilizer if needed. And it would then do what? Verse 9 tells us, give us food. Be good to the bodies. That were the houses of our souls to, to, to give us food so that we would have the energy to give glory to God and worship and praise and walk with him and work to continue to be alive and human. I will personify nature like Disney so often does. Nature was glad and happy and begging and singing to be used and explored for our good and its good. Speaking of Disney, I'm sure y'all have seen The Lion King. And it's this great seeing at the beginning, man, that thing almost makes me cry every time. Doo, doo, you know, the music's real big. And all the animals come around and they're all bowing down and they raise Simba up. Oh, man. I just want to go see the movie for that. It's in 3D right now, too. Now, God's the king of all. But in some sense, you know who the Lion King is or who the Lion Kings are? For nature, human beings. Oh, yeah. Don't let Simba take the spotlight. You ever, you know, people talk about their dogs chewing on stuff. Sometimes dogs are chewing on stuff because, according to the dog behaviorist people, they are bored. Your dogs are like, please tell me what to do. Throw a bone for me or tell me to sit or something. Throw a frisbee, man. Kick me. Do something to me. Yeah, I was reading the omnivore's dilemma. It's an interesting thing I learned about corn, and some of you may know about corn, but corn can't grow naturally like it does, like we have it. Like, it won't grow straight in rows, and and actually corn, as it grows together, will kill itself to the point where there's only one or two corn stalks, you know, for a big distance. Corn needs us to be corn. How about that? 
God said there was no plants of the field because there was no man or woman to work it. Think about this nature thing when it comes to how it helps human relationships. I believe food was not designed to just be nutrition as an end to itself, but necessary nutrition that would lead us to rest, to sit down, thank God, sit down and enjoy each other and slow down and talk and work and serve together. Food's goal was hospitality, not just nutrition. But not only that, nature would help us worship God and express thanks to him and each other as it gave us color and texture and awesome displays of its abilities. You all ever see that planet Earth thing? Man, that thing is something else. I can sit there for hours, man, like I do a football game. I can just sit there and watch all that nature stuff, and you're like, man, what is going on in this world? That thing really exists? Wow. Or that thing really exists? I hope it's in another country. You know, you look at it. But it should be used to praise God. It's, the, it's like the natural uh, uh, worship arts that God has given us in nature. But remember the one good thing Adam and Eve were not supposed to eat from in the garden? Your scripture says the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when Adam and Eve did all that good to and for nature and us, stuff went sideways. Look at what God says to them after they disobeyed him and sin into the world and made this place broken. Verse 17 in chapter 3. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you will eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. What is it saying? Simply put, our relationship with nature has hurt nature, and it will eventually hurt and kill us. And so now we will have to struggle and fail at times to take good care of the natural world, making it hard for us to be good to and for nature. God is saying creation will no longer comply. Nature will rebel and be hard against your touch and need and desire to work it like an unhealthy, codependent, love-hate relationship. You and I need it to stay alive and to work and be who you are. But what you need will be hard as all get out to get food and access to materials that are necessary for life and beauty and protection and rest and pleasure will be rare and not just rare, plain dangerous at times. And able to choke you and poke you and addict you and trap you and infect you and disease you and bite you and turn on you and even eat you and, and blow and float you and your life away with winds and rains and floods and, and lack of rain. Because nature will be fickle and not always comply. And so humans and nature will fight with each other instead of working with and for each other's good. And out of frustration of how hard it is to get and keep stuff together and stop nature from wiling out, we will all be tempted to misuse and abuse creation to get more of what nature can give than we can actually get out of it. Look at our Romans passage. Focus your attention there. What does it mean in verse 20 when it says the creation was subject to futility and in bondage to corruption? It means creation has been hurt and harmed and mistreated and made into corrupted things and used for all the wrong reasons and ways because we are so tied to the earth that when we sin, 
the earth and creation feels and gets hit with that. So nature becomes a reflective slave. That's what that word bondage means. Becomes a slave of our evilness. It is tied to us. So like an evil slave master, we will be tempted to beat and abuse nature to get from it what we need. We now over-control created things and industrialize and store up and hoard out of fear. Not out of right function of storing. I don't think anything wrong with storing. I don't think there was anything wrong with industrialization. As a matter of fact, if we continued to grow as human beings, I wouldn't be surprised if Adam formed type of, some type of industrial thing. But, you know, what happens is we now do it out of fear that it will run out or, or that there will not be enough or that nature will not cooperate. So we choke and fight the life out of nature instead of coax it out. Think about it. We can no longer enjoy wild animals in the wild unless you got a lot of money and go on safari. And even then, you're in some kind of thing with somebody with a gun. They're out of our control. So what? We have to pin them up at zoos and circuses. We have to put them into cages and feeding structures and gates and and stuff and put leashes and choke chains and bridles in their mouths and use whips and prods and watch them on TV. And when it comes to food, we are looking for and have found substitutes for real food. There are preservatives and, and engineered food products and additives and fillers and now easy to make and eat stuff. In the book Omnivore's Dilemma, it is revealed just how industrialized and chemicalized and corporatized, that's a word I made up, and unnatural the farming world has become. Food is now more of a commodity than something you actually eat. There are now food deserts, not in the desert, but right here in our cities, in Charlotte, where real food, fruits and vegetables and meats are not within a mile or walking distances of whole communities, sometimes whole three communities, right? Three whole communities, rather. Fast food appears, because I got an article sent to me this week that says fast food is not really less expensive than eating a wholesome meal at home. I read that article, Jessica, thank you. But that man talking about eating chicken and ain't got no starch, I'm going to be hungry. Sure, it's cheaper, but I'm going to be hungry later. But it just appears, right? And we got this debate going on. But we even manufacture, manufacture taste. We have to. Because a real lemon or orange or sugar taste is too expensive or hard to make. Look at your orange soda and tell me how much orange is in it. I was like, where's the orange juice? It's like, if there is, it's like the 20th thing on a label. Go to your grocery store and see how much it costs to make a healthy organic meal next to a processed food item that you only have to open a can or just add water or meat to. I know about that. When Kelly was out of town, that was all meals. Just add some boiled water. They live. Boys are right. We like. We have to make and buy cheap synthetic clothing. You know, we go buy these trendy stores. I love, sometimes I'm in the mall with Kelly. I'm like, hey, look at a cool little thing. She's like, that's cheap. That's cheap. Kelly, it's only like $3 because it's going to last three days. <laughs> Wait till we wash it one time. And it happens. You get your trendy clothes, you know, you wash it. Oh, no, right? We have to do that so folks can have clothes to wear and make cheap. And we make cheap and fake gold now. Perpetrating gold. I, I guess it's okay. But so, so we could get that bling that is too hard to get and afford thanks to what God told Adam. We now have Mad Dog 2020. 
an Irish rose representing wine. We call it wine. Malt liquor is beer. Sorry, kind of snooty in that area. Fermented grapes and wheat and barley are too rare in their time to manufacture. So many of us are subjected to what that stuff is if we don't have the money. To have to drink bad wine and bad beer to get the same good we were supposed to get, but can't. But the cost of what is really hard to get is not all to it, right? It's so hard to get paid. Paid enough to get what you need is easier, even if you have the money, easier time-wise to go process or cheat, to need to make it or, or manufacture ourselves. No time to make a quality dress. Who makes quality food, uh, clothing anymore, man? It's just easy to buy it cheap, right? No time to sit down and eat a meal or enjoy things together because it's too hard out there to work enough and then enjoy time together, even enjoying nature. Some of us can't even afford some in money or time to go to the zoo to see, uh, you know, caged up nature that you can't see in a while. And, and, and now you are cut off from doing stuff like hiking and vacations and biking and walking. You don't have time for all that. Because you got to work all day. You got to come home. You got to make some processed food or whatever you got to make. And if it ain't processed food, you got to take time to prepare that stuff. Put on the, we don't have time for no walk in nature. Better open the window. <laughs> you better lift up that chicken leg, nature, before you cook it. So now it's easy to misuse and abuse nature. Look at what verse 23 says in chapter 8. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption of sons, redemption of our bodies. Groaning. It says nature is groaning. Creation is groaning. From the pain of the fall. So we try to heal that groan, that frustration of how hard it is just to live by mistreating and mishandling and misusing nature to heal and help us in ways that no longer will or was designed to do. We want creation, nature, to give us worth and relief by having stuff, feeling better about ourselves from wealth and riches and homes and cars, which all come from some raw nature, natural material engineered and manufactured. Have They've now become the standard and measure of our worth in place of our comfort. So we will squeeze the life out of ourselves and working so hard and nature to get what is not only hard to get from the earth, but impossible to actually heal what is broken in you. So we smoke and snort and drink to excess and extremes what comes from the plants of the field. We make animals. Some of y'all, especially in this, this neighborhood, you make animals your friend and family. Your animal ain't no human being. I don't care how many shirts you buy from PetSmart and put it on them. I don't care if you let them sit on the couch or come in these places let you bring them into the store. They're not human. Animals not your friends. I was listening to, watching this one of these biology shows on National Geographic Channel. Oh, I hate to break it to you animal lovers, and I'm an animal lover. I talk to my dog and think she understands. Because I'm crazy. Not because she's human, because I'm crazy. Human. But listen, animals are fairly behavioristic. They know you're going to feed them. Stop feeding your animal for about a year. I bet they'd be my best friend if I feed them. <laughs> we treat them better or equal with humans because something is broken in us. 
And we do stuff like dogfight or race them till they're no good or hoard them because we love them. Overbreed them, cage them in the dark to give us more meat or inject them with chemicals or do harmful testing on them or make them eat corn when they are designed to eat grass or, or breed too many. Or some of us have become food idolaters eating to comfort our pain, eating too much or eating too little, right? Using food as a diet, not for your real health, but for the issues of your heart. You will neglect, I said neglect, food's God-given place to give you energy, and hear this, good fat and good calories so you can be skinny. Too skinny, some of us. We manipulate food in not eating what we should to make ourselves feel better. Or you who can't afford to be on the organic kick. Look, y'all. I can't afford chicken that costs $10 a pound or something like that. That better be some steak-tasting chicken. Because <laughs> I pay a good price for a steak, but that chicken better taste like a steak. I don't care what the Chick-fil-A commercial says. Some of you are, have a food righteous because you all organic now. You only shop at Trader Joe's and the natural food store and all of that. I know, I like Trader Joe's too. You only eat at Chick-fil-A. They use MSG. Sorry, just found out. <laughs> they hide it from you, though. Yeah, go to their website on the food allergies and keep clicking, 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 clicking until you get the, it's like the second or third ingredient in the chicken batter. Oh, I'm sorry, Christian chicken. <laughs> Here's the good thing, though. They're closed on Sunday. But some of you live, I mean, you see the cars in Christian South Charlotte or wherever it is, Christians with the fish on the car lined up around the corner, put MSG in their bodies too much. But they're not open on Sundays. And they say, what is it, please to serve you? Anyway, moving on. But some of us have a food righteousness, feeling more righteous, righteous being a condition of the heart. You're standing before God in heart by what you eat and by showing off about it too. And the way we burn and use fossil fuels is the main source of energy behind everything. And what does that do to, you know, and think about the price of gas, man, and ozone in our lungs, all these things people talking about. Or in the fear of not having, corporations will overdo it. Like Walmart and Target, yeah, Target got it prettied up, but they do the same thing. Right? Buying and having so much that the price is low so everybody can get what they want and need. But somewhere someone is getting underpaid or unlawfully employed or poorly treated. And how much waste and stuff gets thrown away in the landfills from these big stores when their cheap stuff breaks down. And yet it can be said that folk who don't have money would have nothing if it weren't for Walmarts and cheaply built and designed homes and bootleg and black market purses and shoes. I have a Gucci hat. I don't have no Gucci money, and neither does anybody in my family, but I got a Gucci hat. How did I get that? Y'all know. Well, some of y'all might not know. Just go to one of the markets, you know. Anyway, moving on. Let me stop, because if we go on and on with how this stuff works, I'm sure y'all got like 20 examples, right? And even getting into how we will kill and steal and declare war on whole countries, killing women and children and men for oil or lower oil prices, and how we'll starve the parts of the world to overproduce a certain crop because it's more productive for the bottom line, or how a natural disaster can forever hamper the economy of a place, and how oil and food prices can go up 
after a natural disaster and never go back down. That's so bad. Something makes you so angry. Somebody came to me and said, hey, you know, after Katrina, the price of gas is going to go up, but it ain't ever going to come back down. And they were right. Y'all, I might be older. I'm older than a lot of y'all. I remember gas, 75 cents a gallon. If you had $5 at the gas station, you could fill up your tank and get some chips. Seventy-five cents. Anyway, the fall, right? Look at what Romans, but uh, my point is there's hope for it to stop and get better. Look at Romans uh, verses eight, eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 12. Let me see if I can figure this out. Oh, but let's go to 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children than heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealings of the Son, for the sons of God. Let's stop right there. I want you to put together the sons in verse 15 and the sons in verse 19. Same people. Who are they? that are going to work and be a part of redeeming this fallen natural world. It's the sons and daughters of God who will gain what Jesus, the Son of God, who is the firstborn among many sons and daughters, has earned redemption, salvation. Through Jesus means that there could be renewal and freedom and glory once again. It is his people who have been changed and freed and with changed, saved, born-again lives. Some of you right here, sons and daughters, now destined to be part of the glory of making all things good and right. Their lives have hope because they're headed to glory and rescue from this world. And they are called to live like that now and are being changed into that now. I don't know about you, but when I hear and read all this stuff and see how enmeshed it is in my world and impossible it is to change it, I just groan. But groaning here in this scripture is not the same thing as just moaning and resigning and just living with no change or hope for change. In fact, verse 22 describes the groaning like childbirth. But what is being born? People are being born again and changing. You and I and God's redemption are coming. Change for the better and you and me is coming and this change for the rest of the world and creation and nature is coming. It is cresting. We can see the head. Sorry, I'm a dad. You mothers, y'all know the pain and the groaning and it's something hopeful even though so hurtful. Christianity, contrary to popular belief, is not a let's just burn everything up and spend everything up and hoard everything up and take everything we want. And I'm sorry some of our people on the news or, 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 or politically or, 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 you know, caricatured as, as being, you know, these people who don't care about the spotted owl or don't care about the trees or don't care about the land because we're all going to heaven. That is not authentic Christianity. It's not an escapist religion. It's about God's kingdom coming now to see it slowly getting better. We believe it is heading better through and despite much abuse and pain and suffering because Jesus promises 
and made it so when he came. In fact, verse 26 to 28 of chapter 8 tells us that God himself is groaning and pushing for change. The Spirit of God feels what we feel and nature feels and are frustrated with. And if God is pushing for a redeemed world, then a redemption for creation and his people are destined to happen. So grow. Want and long for and look for change in yourself as you look at how wild this world and its use of nature has become. I'm going to say something that may sound crazy. God's people are the sons and daughters of the new Adam, Jesus Christ. And no, this is not your new garden or your new body yet. We are not in heaven yet. But this is your new life. The first fruits, the Bible says here, God's people are and have the first bunch of seeds, if you will, that will grow into real change. God's change for the world. We are here among a wild and twisted world of greed and broken creation. And we are supposed to do what we should have been doing in the garden. So what do we do? We plant the seeds of God's redemption into the wildness of this world, and we believe God will grow change out of it and out of us. I met with someone this week, and we started getting to the discussion. Sit down with me long enough, we're going to get to that food discussion, because I'm feeling smart after reading the book. All 50 pages I've got through so far. It's just overwhelming. And they brought up a good point. Maybe it should start with our communities. Because it's so big. Read them books and look at them documentaries. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm done. Just forget it. I'll just eat whatever I want. Who cares? Just like Adam and Eve started in the garden, we're supposed to expand that garden to the earth. I believe it starts local. Redemption is locally grown, it's organic. It's grassroots. The church and its people loving and caring for each other. And then God says to then care for your neighbor. And then we, the church and community, and then the world. And that small seed of God's powerful hope by the power of the gospel, it changes everything. We, we are called to be missional about this earth and nature and creation and how it's used and managed because God has freed and called and empowered his people's efforts and work to do so. So go teach people about themselves and nature. Read some books. Make a learning community discuss, discussion groups about economics and food and resource and nature stuff. We like doing that here at this church. You know, we got somebody at our church, the Bossics, who have a farm. Sorry to put y'all out like that. Who have a farm and have done a lot of thinking about this. Look them up. Go to their farm. Some of you need to start a food pantry, not only here at the church, because we got a pretty good one, but in your neighborhoods. Make a food market in your food desert. Take some kids, maybe your kids in the community or in this one, to a farm. Watch movies like Food Inc. and then pray together and, and make a small local effort, first among yourselves and then beyond to make a difference. Go get some help for your food or stuff addiction. Nature will thank you and God will help you. Vote to get stuff rezoned. Join a political action group. Some of y'all need to get arrested for it. I don't care. Be a scientist or or biologist or or geologist or or pray for one when you see one. I hadn't seen any lately, but sit down and make an effort, even if it's just one day a week, and make a dinner and eat together. Shop together. Take your kids. There are kids who don't even know what the fruits and vegetables are. Here's ketchup. Where does that come from? I don't know. It's just ketchup. Did you know it's a vegetable as far as our school district is concerned? Ketchup. What vegetable do you want today? Ketchup. Take your kids. What is this, mama? It's a bell pepper. It's green. It's yellow. Red. Wow. 
You gonna cut that up and make something? Yes, that's what salsa is. Really? <laughs> Cook good dinners for each other and bring them over to one another. When you do, make it good. Don't open no can up if you have to understand. But serve each other with some soul and some thought in it. You know what? Don't let each other eat alone. Put food back in its right place. Some of us are eating a mess because we eating alone. It's, the only, it's only eating together that we can tell whether there's food abuse and misuse and help each other. Start slowly, but like the Bible says, with patience and hope. Something simple. Pray over your food and bodies. Oh, yeah, I'm going old school. Pray. There's a chance you're not eating or can't afford to eat healthy. Organic mix, milk, $6 a gallon. Wild-caught salmon, $11.99 a pound. Because of the world we live in is so twisted upside down, God can do wonders when we pray and give thanks with the processed food that we can afford. Eat and be thankful for what God has provided, even for that. Get your animals spayed and neutered. I'm not Bob Barker, by the way. Do responsible breeding. Get your dog from the pound or from a reputable breeder. Stop puppy mills. Recycle regularly. I've been thinking about this. Have a financial economic accountability group with each other. Talk about why you bought what you got. Share with each other how to be more ecologically friendly. Be patient and hopeful with people. Let me close with this. You could go to, you know, some kind of nature talk and hear some of the same applications that you heard me say. But these are more than directions. I don't know if you realize, this, this is like a mission from God to his people to glorify him in this way. It, it does start with the redeemed heart. Because if we just do it to be righteous, we miss it. We do it because... It's the work of the gospel. It's not just changing what you eat. It's changing how and why people eat. And that only happens when they have a vision of what's destined for them in Jesus Christ. And you believe what Jesus Christ has done in you. We got a lot of talking, a lot of debating, but we got a Lord who can handle it all. Small steps, patient, obedient, and powerful to redeem this fallen creation and world. Thank you, Jesus.